Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I have a right as an American to talk about what happened to me, to own my story and my truth. I have that right. I just want Johnny to leave me alone. I just want him to leave me alone. That was Amber Heard during her rebuttal testimony, and now she's speaking out for the first time in an exclusive interview with Savannah Guthrie and NBC News. And we have some of that interview for you. I'm Anjanette Levy, and welcome to the latest edition of Law and Crime Sidebar. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday as we bring you the latest in the aftermath of Johnny Depp v. Amber Heard and other top legal news. First up, of course, Amber Heard breaking her silence nearly two weeks after the verdict in Fairfax County, Virginia. You'll recall that a jury of five men and two women found Heard liable for defamation on every one of Johnny Depp's claims and awarded him $15 million in damages. That $5 million in punitive damages, though, uh, is actually capped by state statute at $350,000. So the award that Depp will receive or may receive, barring an appeal, uh, is actually $10,350,000. And Heard has vowed to appeal. Now, the jurors awarded Heard $2 million in damages for a statement Depp's lawyer, Adam Waldman, made in which he told the Daily Mail that Amber Heard and her friends, quote, spilled some wine and roughed up the penthouse on May 21st, 2016, and then got their stories straight before calling police a second time to the penthouse. And Waldman was basically saying that this was a setup. Now to the interview with the Today Show and Savannah Guthrie. I'm not surprised in the least, I'm going to tell you this, uh, that Amber Heard's first interview is with NBC News and Savannah Guthrie. I called this. The morning after the verdict, Elaine Bredehoff's first interview was with Savannah Guthrie and NBC News on the Today Show. So I just knew. I knew right then and there that Amber Heard would grant her first interview to Savannah Guthrie. And here's a clip of the interview that aired Monday on the Today Show. In it, Amber Heard talks about the harassment she says she has received online, and she discusses the verdict, the jurors, and those who testified for Johnny Depp. I don't care what one thinks about me um, or what judgments you want to make about what happened in the privacy of my own home and my marriage behind closed doors. I don't presume the average person should know those things, and so I don't take it personally. But even somebody who is sure I'm deserving of all this hate and vitriol, even if you think that I'm lying, you still couldn't look me in the eye and tell me that you think on social media there's been a fair representation. You cannot tell me that you think that this has been fair. Of course, we also touched on what happened in court and what the jury decided. There's no polite way to say it. The jury looked at the evidence you presented. They listened to your testimony and they did not believe you. They thought you were lying. How could 
I'll put it this way. How could they make a judgment? How could they not come to that conclusion? They had sat in those seats and heard th over three weeks of nonstop, relentless testimony from paid employees and towards the end of the trial, randos, <laughs> as I say. So you but don't blame the jury? I don't blame them. It wasn't, I, I don't blame them. I actually understand he's a beloved character and people feel they know him. He's a fantastic actor. Their job is to not be dazzled by that. Their job is to look at the facts and the evidence and they did not believe your testimony or your evidence. I, again, how, how could they, after listening to three and a half weeks of testimony about how I was an uncredible person, not to believe a word that came out of my mouth. We're gonna have more of our exclusive interview with Amber Heard first on today, tomorrow and Wednesday morning. It's a wide ranging sit down. And then we'll have the conversation on a special dateline this Friday night, hour long, eight, seven central. Now, those randos would include people like Morgan Knight, Morgan Tremaine, the former TMZ employee, and possibly even Kate Moss, the supermodel who testified in rebuttal for Johnny Depp, uh, saying and telling the jury that uh, Johnny Depp never threw her down a set of stairs, as Amber Heard had claimed. Now, more of the interview with Savannah Guthrie and Amber Heard will play on Tuesday the 14th, Wednesday the 15th, and on Friday, June 17th, on today, also a special Dateline will air on NBC Friday night at 8, 7 central. And we will, of course, bring you more of those clips. Now, after that clip played on the Today Show this morning, Amber Heard's team released the following statement. It says, Johnny Depp's legal team blanketed the media for days after the verdict with numerous statements and interviews on television. And Depp himself did the same on social media. Ms. Heard simply intended to respond to what they aggressively did last week. She did so by expressing her thoughts and feelings, much of which she was not allowed to do on the witness stand. Now, the statement is interesting to me for several reasons. First, uh, Heard's lawyer, Elaine Bredehoff, was the first person involved in this case in any fashion to grant a sit-down interview, and it came the morning after the verdict. It wasn't even 24 hours later when she sat down uh, with both Savannah Guthrie on Today and then later with CBS Mornings, uh, Gail King and uh, company there. So she did the first two interviews in this case. Depp's lawyers Camille Vasquez and Ben Chu granted interviews eight days after the verdict to Today and GMA. Chu also, uh, Chu also stopped by our studio answering our questions about the trial and the verdict the exact same day. Johnny is doing great. We FaceTimed him right after the verdict and it looked like the weight of the world is off of his shoulders. He's got a, the jury gave him his life back. Now, last week, Johnny Depp released a video on TikTok thanking his fans for supporting him. He also thanked them in another video posted to his NFT Instagram account. He thanked them uh, for their birthday wishes that they had sent him. He had turned 59 last week. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. See ya. And just so you are aware, uh, law and crime 
I personally, uh, Jesse Weber, has personally invited not only Amber Heard, but her lawyers uh, to do an interview with us, and they're welcome to sit down with us anytime they wish. We've been told uh, that if they are interested, we will receive word of that. So far, that hasn't happened. Now to our second story. It's a copyright lawsuit filed against Paramount Pictures involving its new film, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Of course, we all remember the original Top Gun back in 1986, right? Tom Cruise, Kelly McGinnis. It was in the theater for weeks and months and weeks and months. Everybody loved it. The women were swooning over Tom Cruise, and the guys wanted to be him. It was a big, big hit. Well, the story uh, that Top Gun was based on uh, was actually uh, based on the story written by a man named Ehud Yone, and it had been published in a magazine three years earlier. Well, now Yone's family is suing Paramount, saying that they did this new film without permission from them, without getting uh, permission for the copyright and all of that stuff. So joining us to talk a little bit about this, is attorney Sharina Anki Kroll. Uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about it. Sharina, thanks so much for coming on. Sharina, tell us a little bit about this lawsuit that's been filed by the Yone family. From what I understand, um, Yone, who is the person that wrote an article for a newspaper back in the 80s, um, you know, had someone approach him from Paramount and say that, hey, I want to license this story um, and make movies out of it. That's my understanding of how this all started. So then he let Paramount have a license to um, the copyright. And now, many years later, his wife and son are coming forward to say that that license has expired because of the 35-year rule. Um, do you want me to get into the 35-year rule? Okay. So um, what the 35-year rule is, is basically it allows um, the author or the owner of the copyright to basically come back to anyone that they have licensed any rights of the copyright to and say, hey, I'm now taking it back. Uh, but in order to do that, they need to file something with the Copyright Office, the United States Copyright Office, and uh, also provide the, um, the people or the entities that they have given the license to, they also have to give them notice that, hey, this is being terminated. So this allows for authors of, um, of certain works that have been uh, copyright protected to basically renegotiate contracts and uh, to license it out in different ways at that 35-year mark. So what is happening here is a lot different from the other big case that's going on right now with Mariah Carey, but we won't be getting into that. Um, this case, Paramount is not denying that they have a legitimate claim from back then, that they actually had a license from Yone to use the story and then make the movie out of it, the first movie. Now what's happening is Yone's wife and son have come for forth and uh, basically said that that license expired in 2020. And by that time, as we all know, that Top Gun Maverick was already in production. So what's happening here? Do we know if, um, if Top Gun producers or Paramount actually received the notice? Well, that's the main question um, that we have right now to see if Yone's, um, Yone's wife and son actually provided Paramount with the necessary notice to say, hey, your license has ended. 
So, Sharina, it sounds like you think that the Yones uh, have something to hang their hat on here. Absolutely. I mean, this is not a meritless claim on its face. Obviously, I don't know all the details, um, but, you know, having glanced over the complaint itself, um, it doesn't seem to me to have absolutely no merit, right? So it does, on its face, seem to be a good case. And they're not only asking for damages, they're also asking for an injunction. Basically, they're asking the court to stop this movie from being shown anywhere, from it being um, shown to the public or being published anywhere in any manner. So that in and of itself just almost goes to prove that, you know, they're probably just really aware of what's going on and they want, they don't want the distribution basically. And it's not all about money. A lot of people are wondering, why didn't you just wait until the movie was done showing? Because it is a huge hit and it would have more money, basically more money to settle uh, this lawsuit with. But I think it's, um, it's, it's sort of like a, I wouldn't say publicity stunt, but it's kind of winning over people who believe that you know, Paramount shouldn't have gone ahead and released it. Sharina, it sounds to me uh, like you think that possibly Paramount should just cut a check to the Yones and, and be done with this. I think there's going to be a settlement because, you know, that they're saying they provided the notice and they're saying that they have already filed with the Copyright Office the 35-year rule um, as it requires uh, for for the heirs to gain that, that copyright back, uh, the license back. So... I believe there is going to be a huge lawsuit, a uh, huge settlement. I'm sorry, there is already a lawsuit. There's going to be a, a huge settlement. But, you know, if I were the attorney for the Yones, I would say maybe just wait until it's all done so there is money to collect, more money to collect than, than uh, right now. Because if there is an injunction and, and the court does ask them to stop showing the movie, that's kind of a double-edged sword because then it's not earning as much money as it would have if, uh, if there were no injunctions. Sharina Anki-Kroll, thanks so much for coming on to talk with us about this. Now to our third and final story, and it involves a disbarred attorney from Pennsylvania. His name is Kenelm Shirk, and he was sentenced to time served for threatening to kill Democratic members of the U.S. Senate. Joining me to talk about that is Gene Rossi, attorney out of Virginia and former federal prosecutor. Gene, this is a really serious case, threatening to uh, kill members of the U.S. Senate. Tell me, as a former federal prosecutor, how serious this is. Oh, whenever a public official is being threatened, even if it's by text, email, or voicemail, and even if they don't carry it out by doing what this uh, defendant did is, you know, get in a car with firearms and weapons and uh, actually <laughs> almost complete the mission, uh, you always take it very seriously. Even, even a threat over text uh, can raise the bar uh, for any prosecution. They take it very seriously. And here's why. If you don't protect the participants in a democracy, regardless of what branch they're in, you know, the administration, judicial, or congressional, um, then your democracy is going to uh, uh, self-destruct. This makes me think back to that awful incident several years ago on the baseball field where a man opened fire on Steve Scalise and some other members of Congress. Thank God this didn't end that way. It's funny. There's a basketball court right next to that baseball field in Alexander, Virginia. And I run a, a group called the Hoop Madness Club. One of our basketball backboards has a hole this big. 
the hole is from one of the bullets. And that's how close to home that is to me. I wasn't on the court when that happened, but I remember that vividly because I used that same YMCA where the defendant in that case uh, used to go periodically. Yeah, and I know um, Representative ba Brad Winstrup, he is a physician, and he sprang into action that day and, and saved Steve Scalise's life. Um, it, it was a horrifying thing to think about anybody targeting anybody, um, but especially a, a public servant, an elected official. So, Gene, uh, were you surprised by the sentence in this case? Uh, Jennifer P. Wilson, a U.S. District Jennifer P. Wilson, a U.S. District Judge in Middle District of Pennsylvania, sentenced Shirk to time served. That's 16 months and 20 days in prison. So, uh, are you surprised by that sentence? Should he have gotten more time? Oh, I think he should. Not not 30 years, but but what's interesting is I think the judge was very uh, was very lenient and compassionate for the defendant. But I understand that the uh, government uh, recommended 18 months, and that could have been part of the plea negotiations. Hey, if you plead early, don't force us to go to trial. We'll be relatively compassionate and lenient on the sentence of 18 months. But I got to tell you, uh, the average uh, citizen is going to say, hey, listen, there are a lot of low-level drug dealers that get hammered, hammered uh, with 5, 10, 15, 20 years. This person was trying to kill at least three U.S. senators, and you give them 16 months or time served. Uh, that just doesn't square with justice. It certainly uh, seems like he is getting off easy, and this all had to go uh, had to do with January sixth and these senators carrying out their official duties back on January sixth of twenty twenty one with regard to the election results, the presidential election where uh, President Trump uh, lost the election. Uh, yet there were some people who feel that that was a fraud and wanted to to stop that whole process. And uh, Vice President Mike Pence uh, was one of the people that was targeted uh, in all of that by some of these January 6th uh, rioters. So uh, this guy is going to be on probation for a little bit, uh, su supervised released rather, for one year, and he's going to pay a $10,000 fine. Uh, so he's really going to have to mind his P's and Q's on that one year of supervised release, right, Gene? Oh, absolutely. Supervised release, if you get a, get a tough supervision officer, uh, for some people, it's, it's not exactly like prison, but uh, it does hamper their ability to, to get into trouble. Well, Gene Rossi, thanks so much, as always, for your time and your expertise. Thank you. And that'll do it for this edition of Law & Crime Sidebar. I'm Anjanette Levy. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you can catch our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.